Today's very special happy birthday, Kyle edition of the BS podcast is brought to you by State Farm. Just like football in Kyle's life, life can be unpredictable. <laughs> That's why State Farm agents are there to help. And with over 19,000 agents, a local State Farm agent can be just around the block, whether you talk in person by phone or through the app, State Farm is there. Go with the one with coverage, the agents you can count on. State Farm, talk to an agent today. Meanwhile, there was a time when healthcare made house calls. Thanks to CBS Health, that time has come again with home care managers who help provide help to those who need it most. Trained nurses who administer IV treatments right in patients' home with prescription delivery to millions of homes each year. CVS Health is creating the future of health using a simple idea from the past, kind of like when they brought back the Wildcat five, six years ago for, for maybe it was longer than that, maybe eight, nine years ago. And all of a sudden it was like, hey, this old idea from the past, what happened? At CVS Health, health is everything. Not all services available in all states. Check it out. Uh, we're also brought to you by the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast, where we put up two podcasts today. One is a pyramid podcast about James Harden with my old friend, Zach Lowe from Grantland. That was awesome. And then Joe House and I broke down the last three games of the 2012 Western Finals, which was the peak of the KD, Russ, Harden, era in OKC only. We didn't know it was the peak. We thought it was the beginning of a dynasty. It turned out it was the end of a budding dynasty. So if you ever cared about James Harden, OKC, if you want to hear intelligent basketball talk, uh, those are the podcasts for you. Speaking of intelligent basketball talk, Mark Stein, my old friend from ESPN now at the New York Times is going to come on to talk about Luka Doncic because I am obsessed with Luka Doncic. We're going to do that. And then Chadwick Boseman, He's going to talk about, uh, really, why he's abandoned his run at the Sports Movie Hall of Fame. We talked about his other movies, all that stuff, but I really just cared about the sports movies. That's all coming up first. Our friends from Pearl Jam. Kyle, you made it to 26. All the way. <laughs> what were the odds? Like four to one? You'd know better than I. I. I didn't look at that kind of stuff. Even odds? Yeah, let's say even. I is, feel better about that. Is this going to be your last podcast? How hard are you going tonight? No, no, I'm taking it easy. I got Rosillo early, so. How early? I don't know, but he's coming in, so I'm going to have to look him in the face. So I'm going to I'm gonna try to take it easy. You can wear sunglasses? No, no, no. I got I got the new transition, so maybe, maybe early on he won't be able to tell. Well, happy birthday. Thanks, bud. Uh, all right, let's call Mark Stein. Okay, so I planned this part of the podcast 24 hours ago before Luka Doncic demantled, dismantled, demantled. He demantled and dismantled the San Antonio Spurs. He had, I think, a 42, 10, and 10, something like that. Uh, the symbolism of a new young gun Mav taking down the declining Spurs uh, could not be lost. But more importantly... Mark Stein, you're here from the New York Times. You're on a book of basketball pod coming up in a couple of weeks, which I'm very excited about. Mark Stein, here's my question. We spent the first four weeks of the season, people talked about load management. I think for like nine solid days, it became the dominant NBA story. We started out in the preseason with China. Um, right now, everybody's been talking about Carmelo Anthony for two days. 
There was Dwight Howard before that. All these stories that either have nothing to do with basketball or are tangential to other non-basketball stories or whatever. And here's Luka Doncic, who is the best 20-year-old player ever in the history of the league and is combining Larry Bird and LeBron James night after night after night. And this is like an afterthought. I don't understand this. What's it like to be in Dallas watching this? Very, very fun, William. Not going to lie to you. <laughs> I think I told you this before, but you get the chance to cover someone like Dirk for 21 years. People always say, it's so sad. It's so sad. You can't say it's sad. The guy played for 21 years. He went two years longer than Reggie Miller. What more do you want from the guy? Right. And after all that, which was already a lottery for Cuban and a lottery for me as a reporter. And now this guy shows up and he is nightly box office. It's not even just the staff. I mean, he is a showman. Yeah. You're, you're just sitting there and you're like, this guy is an entertainer. I mean, he just, he plays the game and you know, you're, you just love watching it. I, uh, I can't believe it happened this fast. I have been all in for two years, as anyone who has heard this podcast. I couldn't believe that Sacramento passed him up. I thought Phoenix should have taken him first. I couldn't believe Atlanta traded out of the spot. I watched, you know, a, a decent amount of those EuroLeague games that mattered, the bigger ones, because some of them were on NBA TV, some were on the internet. He was 18, going against fucking men every night, and his team won the title. I don't understand what more he had to do. With all of that said, I never thought this was going to happen so early. I, what he's doing this yeah, season. You, you, and you liked it more than I did, which I think is somewhat of an upset. Yeah. But, but what he's. I I, I, I've been hearing about this kid for a long time. You know, his national team coach with Slovenia, Igor Kokoshkov, I've covered him a long time. So, I mean, he's been, you know, he was, he was, tell, he was saying even before Luca was really known as a potential draft candidate this guy is going to be amazing you're not going to believe it yeah but, i mean even still he still exceeded all expectations i mean the, the guy's averaging 30 11 and 9 right I mean, it's the part that i don't understand is how this is happening now and i think look there's some factors in play right that like the defense the pace that we have now the defense isn't you know it, as intense maybe for for all four quarters and there's there's some spaces and some opportunities to put up numbers, especially with the amount of threes everybody's jacking up and the spacing and no center. I get all of it. What doesn't make sense to me is you compare what he's doing this season to the greatest players of all time. The season that he's having this year, just statistically points, rebounds, assists is better than any LeBron season ever. Um, he right now they're twenty nine 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 club. Now, granted, this has only been thirteen games, but the thing I feel comfortable saying this was a pretty meaningful sample size because he's doing it every night. It's not like you know one night he's at he's scoring forty eight and the next night he's scoring ten. Like night after night after night, he's twenty seven seven and seven, thirty two ten and eleven. It, it's just consistent. But anyway, there's only three guys ever who have averaged a twenty nine nine and nine for the entire season. Luca this year, he's 29.5 points, 10.7 rebounds, 9.3 assists. Westbrook during his uh, MVP season was 31 and a half, 10.7, 10.4. And then three Oscar seasons 
in 61, 62, and 64. And that's it. That's the whole list. Now, what's crazy to me, don't you feel like Luca has like four more levels to go? Like he's not even really shooting threes that well. I don't know where this ends. I mean, I don't know four. I mean, if, I mean, if, if, I mean, if he has four levels to go, he will. So, I mean, I, let's, let's not go that far, but yes. I mean, is he going to get better? I think, yes, he'll keep getting better. And again, he's, he's still just 20 and he, he is leaner. He is stronger. He has spent more time in the weight room, but you know, there is the chance that in, you know, down the road, you know, he, he gets even more chiseled, sculpted, a little leaner. I mean, you, I mean, so I, I, I think he hasn't even, you know, the, there is, there is still a lot of room to get better, but just the year to year improvement is already crazy. I mean, just the things he does as a floor leader, the patience, the way he sees the game, the way he knows where everybody is while he's making his move and just his ability to, 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 to make these in-air passes and just constantly make the right play. I mean, for a 20-year-old, that, that's it's insane. So the reason I said I thought he could jump four times is if you look at Bird and LeBron specifically, LeBron is somebody who has kind of jumped a level at these different points of his career, right? The guy who comes into the league with Cleveland, that first iteration, then he jumps a level to the 2009, 2010, the double MVPs, then goes to Miami. Remember, he jumps again. I'm going to say 2012, 13, that year when we thought he might be able to average 60% shooting, all that stuff. We go to 2016, 17, 18, and he figures out this whole power game that he just adds to everything else that's going on. It becomes this devastating, whenever he wants to get to the rim, he can kind of do it. And now we're seeing this other version of LeBron where he's going to lead the league in assists and he's becoming more of a point forward than really he's ever been. The point is he keeps adding things. And with Luca, I look at all the stuff he's doing already and I'm like, all right, what are, what's the next iteration? Like he's not even really posting up that much yet. He could add that. He could get stronger. The three-point shooting could get way better. Like, I, I do think he has 50, 40, 90 potential someday. And the reason I bring all this up is he's only 20. And I feel like there's there's room for improvement in a whole bunch of different things, which is crazy because he's averaging a 29.99. It doesn't make sense to well, me. His throws, he has cleaned that up, but I do think, yes, he can get even better at it. And, I mean, he's serious with himself every single free throw he misses. So he clearly thinks, he should be shooting better at the line. The threes, to me, that was the big difference. When, when I saw him in the preseason, and you know, we we didn't we didn't see him this summer. You know, he wasn't at the FIBA World Cup because of the format change and a whole international basketball mess that I know you don't want me to get into because I know that's not right. your thing. But he wasn't there. We didn't see him all summer. But the minute you got the preseason, his three ball just looked like his confidence from three. He just, to me, he has a Steph-like audacity now. I mean, yeah. he, he, like, he's going to shoot it from 30, and he doesn't care what you know, us tradition, old traditionalists think. He believes these are good shots. He believes they're all going in last night. You know, what did he miss? Six, seven in a row, and then he makes the, makes the game clincher. I mean, the guy is just, he, he, there's just something different about him from three. It's just smoother, and again, he just 
but I mean, the, that's the thing. I mean, the conf, it's just the confidence. Where, where do you get that at 20? I know everything he did in Europe. He was the best player in Spain as an 18 year old. Fine. But that's still more than a notch below the NBA. I mean, he just, I asked Porzingis last night, Porzingis, you know, you, you remember being 20. I mean, and he just, he said it too. He said, you're born with it. You can't teach what this kid has. He just right. has it. Well, and I think that the three point shooting is a pretty small sample size because he could have a two game stretch where he goes 13 for 16 from three or something. And that would skew the percentages. I think, you know, I, 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 I keep gravitating toward LeBron in my head because I think people don't really realize yet that he is the best 20 year old player ever. I think people would have thought it was LeBron, but when you just even compare the stats, like um, LeBron was 27, seven and seven, but he was playing 42.4 minutes a game that second season. What's nuts about Luca right now, he's basically 30, 11 and nine. He's only playing 35 minutes a game. And his usage rate is 34%. It's not like Harden Westbrook 2017 levels. Um, it does feel like more. Watch yeah, it does. It in real time. Well, and, I, and I think that's one of the reasons the three-point shooting's down because when you watch the Mavs, and I'm obsessed with them. I've I've just watched so much. The Celts and the Mavs are the two teams I watch the most. His team's not that good. Porzingis has not been that good. And, you know, I think people who probably haven't seen a lot of them were like, well, they have two stars. And it's like... All right. Well, Porzingis has has been decent. I don't. I certainly don't think he's. Well, he he deserves more. You know, you, you're not going to get it in today's NBA, and you're certainly not going to get it after you sign a five year, hundred whatever million dollar. What was it? One six one fifty eight. Yeah. You, know, you sign a deal like that. There's going to be no patience. But the guy was out twenty months. I'm with him. Not just playing underneath him. He's he's playing in a because of Luca. Because Luca is what he is. Because he is the Euro LeBron now, Porzingis is being asked to play in a different way than he ever has, and he's still learning how to do it. I mean, he, you know, they want him at the three-point line, facing the court, leaving the lanes open for Luca to drive in there, and Porzingis has never done that. So yeah. I think we got to give him a minute to figure that out. I'm with you. I 100% agree. I'm just pointing out the first four-plus weeks, he hasn't been that good. And I think... By March, I fully expect he will have figured out. He'll first of all, his confidence will be back, and second of all, you just made the key point. He has to be a stretch five in this offense, and and you could even see it in that Knicks game the other night. It was so frustrating. I I don't want to have the are we sure Rick Carlisle is still good conversation with you yet, but when you're posting up Porzingis with 80 seconds left in a Knicks game where Luca is completely unstoppable, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Is it in his contract? You have to throw him one low post play in the last two minutes. I think Porzingis is a stretch five, and that back to Luca, the offense that they have the pieces of now to put around him is reminds me of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, where they knew they had this special talent, and the Ravens decided we're all in on this guy. We're going to put all pieces around him that will accentuate all the stuff that he's good at. And with Luca, the Mavs are are. Not there yet, but the the general kind of parameters of what's there is right, and I think part of that is Porzingis is a stretch five. It's weird to think of a seven foot three guy is best off twenty five feet from the basket, but the reality is he's really devastating from there, you know. And I, I do like the way they interact. Do you think are they 
has Porzingis accepted that he's not the best player on this team yet? He says all the right things. I think in real time, it's still an adjustment for him. And I think the, the example you just laid out kind of illustrates that. And, you know, they're in New York. It's Porzingis' comeback game. The fans are hurling invective at him like we haven't heard at Madison Square Garden in ages. Right. So does everybody get swept up in the moment and want to have help Porzingis answer that and be the late hero? I mean, did that figure into that? I'm sure, you know, they're all human. I'm sure it did. But I think Porzingis is a smart dude. And I think he sees it very clearly that Luca is not from, I mean, he said it himself last night. I mean, Luca is not from this planet. I right. Mean, so he will, he will, he will eventually get there. And when the Mavs lost the Knicks the first time at home, there was all this talk. Who's going to be the third guy. You know, they've got to get the, they've got to get the duo right first. They've got to get Luca and Porzingis meshing. Well, I think that's priority number one. And that's really what this season is about. They want to make the playoffs, obviously, but getting those two guys in a great flow, and then you start figuring the exact rest of the puzzle. Like well, you know, I, I I don't think they're in a rush to do it by, you know, by April. Well, here's the thing: everyone's going to want to play with this guy. And you think like down the road? I know their caps tied up this year, but when you start thinking about maybe two years down the road. I still think Porzingis is a, a great asset for them, especially like just having a seven foot three stretch five who can put his hands up around the rim like that alone. What an asset. But you imagine like some third shooter that you're just flipping for that step for the Seth Curry spot, basically, or the Tim Hardaway Jr. All those minutes that are going to all those swing guys. And now you're putting, I don't know, Bradley Beal in three years or whoever it is who's just won the lottery because he's on Lucas' team. I, I'm i so shocked and stunned as just somebody who loves basketball at how fucking smart he is with reading what's going on and being two chess moves ahead of everybody and making the right pass over and over again and setting up people where he's like driving into the paint. He's doing these no-look passes to the corners, you know, where it's, it's like... He's driving in the paint. You think he's going to kick it back to the top of the key and his whole body is shifting like he's going to do that. And then he's throwing a no look 20 foot pass to a wide open guy in the corner. I've never seen anybody do stuff like this. Have you? Well, you hit on the interesting thing. Cause I remember last year, this came up in Dallas all the time. Oh, guys just love to play with Luca and Porzingis. And last year that was premature. I mean, it, it, you know, it does take time, but he, so Luca is so good right now that I think you're right. I think that that narrative, that that discussion is going to start. It's going to be going to be fascinating at the All Star game because I, you know, I don't think there's any question Luca is going to be there now, and just to see him in that environment with all the All Stars, and I do think now we're going to start to hear chatter of guys want to play with him. And right. It's, it's it's happening faster than I thought. I didn't even think it would be a year or two thing, because, you know, you know how these things are. They all, you know, Team USA is where a lot of this, you know, star pairing up stuff happens, or, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, they played against each other in, in you know, in high school age. You know, Luca obviously doesn't have that coming from Europe, but, but that is the way he is playing. That is now going to start. Well, just so people think this isn't hyperbole, because I'm telling you, it's not. There's nothing gushing or hyperbole-ish about this podcast. This is all legitimate stuff. 
only seven guys in the history of basketball were under 21 years old, averaging 21 plus points a game, which doesn't even seem like a lot, right? Luca's done it twice. He's he's the only one. LeBron did it, Shaq, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Carmelo, Devin Booker. You look at his year two for Luca versus LeBron's year two. Um, basically, every single thing is better. Um, the three-pointers for LeBron was a little bit better, but he was taking less. But uh, every sort of stat you want to get together, what's interesting, if you take LeBron's best three Cleveland seasons, which were his last three, where he averaged 29, 8, and 8, basically. Luca's still doing better than that right now. If you go to LeBron's three best Miami seasons, which was 2012, 13, and 14, the last three, he was 27, 8, and 7, basically. But he's shooting 38% from three. He's shooting, um, he's over 50% field goal, stuff like that. Luca's not there with the percentages, but from a production, better. If you go to Larry Bird's four best Boston seasons ever, the averages 28, 10, and seven with, with uh, 52, 41, 90 percentages. The legend was the fucking man. Um, well, let's, 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 let's break. I mean, basically, this is why you love Lucas so much. Yeah, because he's, he's Euro Larry Bird. He's that's the that's Euro it. Bird. He's this back. Is, this, is how, this is how Bird would have played now. Hold that thought because I want to um, talk about that, but we got to take a break. Hey, it's fight season on DAZN. Coming up, the much-anticipated Ruiz versus Joshua rematch on December 7th. The first fight was a real-life Rocky story in Anthony Joshua. Undefeated. Superstar. His opponent dropped out after failing a drug test. Andy Ruiz volunteered himself as a replacement. Slid into the DMs of Joshua's promoter on Instagram asking for a shot. Uh, it all happened one month before the fight, and you know the rest. He was an 11-1 underdog. Not only did he win and become the new heavyweight championship, he got to be in the BS podcast. Yeah, he did. That's, some people say that's more impressive than winning the heavyweight title. Uh, now he's determined to prove this was not a fluke. Repeat, this was not a fluke. How do we, how do we find out what happens? I have an idea. Get the DAZN app. It's available on all your devices December 7th. Watch college football. Stream Ruiz Joshua on a second screen. Watch NBA on a third screen. You can just have 90 screens going. But more importantly, watch Ruiz Joshua. I love the Ruiz story. It's great. Uh, and DAZN has the best schedule in boxing history that they are unveiling over the next few months. You get everything. Every fight, original content, all live and on demand for one low price. All you have to do is download the DAZN app to start watching. All right, Mark Stein, you just... You just got to the next place I wanted to go with this podcast. It's hard to watch basketball right now and wonder, okay, what would have happened if Larry Bird was playing now? What would his style be? Go ahead. You have the floor. Yeah, and that's what you you said last night. We must talk about Luca. He's my favorite non-Celtic. And that's when it hit me that this is you. <laughs> this is you imagining what Larry Bird would have been like yeah. in 2019. Now, I don't think Larry quite had Lucas handle. No. But he would have he would have played a lot more like this than in the eighties when it was so bruising and he had to be you know, he had to be a beastly four man and first well beastly three man, but you know, I mean he, he he had to play a lot more of a physical inside game. Well here's the thing. A lot of the stuff Luca is doing 
is things that we never really got to see Bird have the chance to do because of what the spacing was like back then. He was able to do a lot of the find the open man stuff and, you know, basically drawing people over to him and the defense would have to decide, do we have to single him or we double him? If we double him, he's going to find a shooter. But the good news for them was the shooters were all within 20 feet of the basket, right? So if if you think about, you just put Bird on this Mavs team. You just flip him with Luka. You take like 1986 Bird, you just put him on this team instead of Luka. And you put, you surround him with all those shooters. And I think he would post up more than Luka did, but I think the same concepts would be there, right? It would be like, I'm going to beat my guy off the dribble and then either go to the basket or find open shooters or I'm going to post up and I'm either going to beat my guy in the post up. If you come down, send a second guy, I'm immediately finding the best possible guy to shoot. And this is the stuff Luca's doing that I don't think people are, are totally seeing yet. There's a chess chess game aspect to the decisions he's making that is really like supernatural. And we've only seen a couple guys in the history of the league be able to think like this. Like it was magic. It was bird. I think LeBron on his best days definitely had it. But it, it is the rarest quality you have where it's like he's already ready for whatever the defense is going to throw at him. And he's already making the best possible decision, but the play hasn't happened yet. And that's what I see from him. And that's why I'm so excited about him. Well, every year the game's going to slow down a little bit for him. And because he's so far ahead of the curve, you know, what it looks like in year five is probably what it looks like in year two to him. Because when you talk to the Mavs, that's what they say, that they just love that he's more patient. He's a little bit more patient. He just just knows how to get everybody else set up when they do just swarm him and take his shot away, but also to his strength inside. I mean, he just, he, he is stronger and he's bullying guys down there now. Yeah. I mean, it's. Which, but, which is, by the way, you know, you need, that's get, the- you need, you need, you need to get with Carlisle. Because Carlisle obviously knows Bird's game chapter and verse, and he could probably extrapolate this better than I could. But dude, I mean, I'm giving you a column. Just read it. Like shooting more trees and handling the ball more, and this is a glimpse of it. You're there. You're in Dallas. Write the fucking column. Just go. Go ask him. This is this is a layup. What would Bird have done? You you have all the pieces. Go do it. I'm assigning it to you. Audience of one, Bill Sim. No, I'm assigning it to you. Do it for the New York Times. I, uh, you were there, weren't you, for the uh, that Lakers versus Luca matchup a couple Friday nights ago? Oh yeah, that, that I thought that was at that point to me that was the game of the season. Oh, I still think it was. I I thought that was the moment where I'm like, oh man, he's actually ready for this now, and. Yeah, well, don't, I mean, don't listen to me. I mean, LeBron James was slobbing, slobbing all over him after the game. Yeah. When you when you press LeBron, I think that's really all you need to know. And it's funny because I think Luca was, I'm going to say 40 to 1 or 25 to 1 or something for the MVP. And I don't think he's going to win the MVP. I think Giannis is going to win it again unless Milwaukee has more injuries or whatever. I mean, the Mavs aren't going to win enough for him to be a that's real the MVP thing. candidate. They're not going to win enough. But on the other hand... It is interesting. How many games would they have to win for him to become an MVP candidate? Because Westbrook won the MVP. I think they, what did they win? Like 50, 51? They won 47. 47. Westbrook voter. So if this Mavs team wins 47, I think then 
there will be a discussion for sure. I mean, I, I don't know that it's a 47 win team, you know, that Westbrook team, you know, if he wins, if they win 50, it's a lock that he's the MVP. It's, to me, it's not even going to be a debate. But for me, voting that year, and I know there are a lot of people who still take issue with that vote, they had just lost Durant. And to me, the impression was that Thunder were going to fall off the face of the earth, and he kept them in 50-win range while averaging a triple-double. That's why that was, for me, what what made it such a big deal. You know, can can... Can Luca get this Mavs team to 47 wins? Tall order. Tall order in the West. Listen, you're going to be scarred for life by that Westbrook vote. It's your scarlet letter as nope. an NBA voter. Nope. and Not, no, no regret. It's, it's your worst take of all time. I'm, I'm sure you've had worse soccer takes, but it's your worst basketball take of all time. No regret. No um, regret, man. I have a newsflash for you. Not only do I think Dallas is going to win 47 games, I think they have a chance to get to 50 because I think then you're right. If won't, then if you're right, then Giannis has something to worry about. I, here's the case. They, they have one of the best players in the league. And if he's really that good, and if he's really going to be on this LeBron bird trajectory, it's not unrealistic for him to be on a 50, be the best guy on a 50 win team in year two. That's one thing. Second, they have the best offense in the league right now. And I don't even feel like they've tapped into the full potential because we talked about Porzingis. Seth Curry was terrible at the start of the season. He's starting to come back. And I don't feel like, I still feel like Luca has another level shooting wise to get to. And then, you know, buyout guys, who knows in February, they have, they have very tradable contracts. Um, I think there's there's an upside with them roster wise, and then you look at the West. Everybody thought the West was going to be so stupendous. We'll have a newsflash for you. Um, it looks like we have five good West teams, six if you count Dallas, and then it quickly moves to that Phoenix, Minnesota, Sacramento, OKC, Portland, San Antonio bundle. And I don't really think any of those teams are that good. Do you? I. I'm not. I'm. I'm never going to write the Spurs off until it happens. So you know, I'll be late to that party. I think everybody feels like the end is nigh, and it's finally turned, and the playoff streak is over, and Pop can't resurrect them this time, and it's going to be death by mid-range, and their starters fall in a twenty-point deficit every game. I'm not. I'm not. You know, everyone else can go there. I'll be the last guy who, who says the Spurs are out of it. Portland has been a disaster and, you know, no matter what you think of Mello, you know, let's see if this Lillard injury is minor, major, whatever. I'm not, you know, I I have to think Portland's going to bounce back. And and all those teams you mentioned, you know, maybe they're not 50 win material, but they're all competent. They're all good enough that it's still, it's still a jumble and 47 win. Hey, if he gets them to 47, if he gets them to 50, then, He's going to be right there. All right. So if I said, I think they're going to go at least 48 and 34, you think that's crazy? It's very Simmons-esque. You I, love those bold? No, I, it's not, I don't feel like I'm being bold. I think they have a generational offensive player, and if he stays healthy, I think they're going to win 48 games. Okay. 
they have a generous offensive player, and they've also lost the Knicks twice. Yeah, I mean, and so. you you saw the second Knicks game. That was that was an all time giveaway, and they never ever should have lost that game. Like I look, they're eight and but five. I feel like the they're one. right, but they're eight and five, and they really honestly could be ten and three pretty easily. Like I, I watched the Celts. I mean, the Celts are twelve. Case, the Lakers get off, taken from them. So yeah, that yeah. was another one. That was the third game. I forgot about that. They they Seth Curry got fouled. They didn't even call it. It was right in front of the ref. God forbid they called a foul on the Lakers. I uh, I'm super excited about Luca. I'm excited for you. I don't the the two guys you and Cuban. You just just two lucky motherfuckers. Unbelievable. I, I tell I tell him I tell him all the time. How many lotteries are you going to win? But it's yeah. interesting. Uh, I talked to an exec with a team that let's just say would not exactly be thrilled to see that the Mavs have done so well with this Doncic pick. Yeah. And I threw that same theory at them and they were like, no, they actually, they, they made their luck this time. They, they, you know, they traded for Doncic. They put the extra draft pick on the table. They made that happen. They knew he was their guy. And it's true. You got to credit them. I know you're, I know you will never forgive the, the Suns, Kings and Hawks, but the Suns was defensible. Because I think people lose their minds when a, when a potential franchise center is out there. And I get it. They had Devin Booker. I would have taken Luka 100 times out of 100 and said so over and over again. But I, I at least get it. Sacramento, I did not get. I thought that was insane. And I like Marvin Bagley, but that was insane that they didn't think Luka Doncic and... DeAndre Fox would, I'm sorry, De'Aaron Fox would uh, would make sense together. That was insane. And then Atlanta at three, you know, and and they're very like sensitive about this now. It's like Trey Young's good. Screw you. It was a good trade. Yeah, well, here, here 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 it is. I mean, Phoenix's issue is they had the ultimate Luca expert there in Kokoshkov and didn't draft him. I mean, they had more info on Luca conceivably than anybody and still went, went with eight. Yeah. And what happened and, to that guy? Where's he now? Like you said, it, it's defensible. Aiton was nominally a local kid, big center. You understand. Okay. It happened. The King's issue was we can't have Fox and we can't have Doncic. They were convinced they couldn't play the two of them, but why couldn't they have been the team to, to draft Luca and, and make and they could have been the ones trading with Dallas and getting the extra pick. I mean, that's really what the Kings have to answer for. And then the Hawks case, they drafted Reddit with the pick they got from Dallas, and that does not look to be off to a promising start. Yeah, congratulations on that extra draft pick. Here, here's the thing: guess guess what I'm doing in this situation every time taking the generational superstar. I don't. I just don't feel like you can go wrong in that situation. You, but you did not know he was a generational superstar. No, but I thought, I thought he was going to be a superstar. I was convinced. I just felt like, I I thought people were discounting the Euroleague stuff in a really strange way that made no sense to me and didn't really make sense to a lot of people that follow basketball. They were acting like he was, you know, in single A baseball or something. He was playing against men every night, and he played in eighty. I, what did he play? Ninety games that year. I, I thought that was insane. That people just devalued that for some reason. Anyway, um, I want to talk about a couple other things. We did a half hour on Luca. There was we beat the over under. 
Uh, a couple other things I'm super excited about. We were under, right? I thought it was going to be another another half hour. No, because I'm still, I'm very upset at everybody that, you know, load management and just people focusing on the bad and the negative over and over again. I think this has been a really good NBA season so far. Um, I want to talk about a couple other Uh-oh. things I'm excited about. I might, I might not be the right guy to be talking to them. Well, but here's the thing. I, I don't. I've bl- been far more focused on the negative. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. All right, we're going to take a break and then I'm going to make you more positive. Hold on. Let's talk about SoFi. If you're like most millennials, you know you should be investing, but you're not sure where to start. Getting your money right doesn't have to be hard. SoFi Invest makes it easy. It's the first investing platform to offer stocks, automated investing, and crypto all in one. And with SoFi Stock Bits, you can buy a piece of your favorite brand stock with as little as a dollar. See how easy it is? Listeners who fund their account at SoFi.com slash BS will receive $25 in mystery stock. Yeah, mm-hmm. free stock just for signing up. Here's how it works. Go to SoFi.com slash BS, S-O-F-I.com slash BS. Create an account. Then you choose to either do it yourself or let SoFi's automated investing build your portfolio and use stock bits to buy fractional shares of your favorite stocks. Get started with as little as a dollar. Kyle, you should do this for your birthday. I should. I yeah. really should. I like the I like the stock bits part. Buy stock in me. Am I on there? It's like human beings aren't on there, right? Just companies. So. Damn. That's illegal. Yeah, you already have stock in me. Listeners who fund their account at SoFi.com slash BS will receive $25 in mystery stock just for signing up. SOFI.com slash BS. SoFi Lending Corps. CFL number 6054612. All right. I don't blame you for being, you know, a little more negative. You know, you, 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 you. You're more focused on soccer, I feel like. Basketballs, it's a lark to you. You just cover it. But really, your heart's with soccer. So I don't blame I don't blame you. Um, God, you are, you are so wrong. But go ahead. Continue. The, uh, here's some storylines I love. And I, I don't want to talk about Giannis because we devoted a big chunk of the podcast, uh, I think, a week and a half ago to the fact that he's better this season. And he's going to average a 30-14, it looks like. And... He's going to have a season that's better than any Shaq season ever. Um, just all seems really relevant. I feel like that's a fun topic. Here's another one. And people have talked about this a little, but I really think it's inspiring. I I saw them. They came through L.A. This Toronto title defense. You know how much I love title defenses. You know I'm still mad that your your guy, Cubes, just punted on 2012. Just quit on it. Just quit on his title defense. Basically sold the trophy on eBay over trying to defend it. I like when teams defend their title. I love what Toronto's doing. There's like, yeah, we lost Kawhi. Guess what? We're still good. We're not going away. We're going to see Occam's gone up a level. We're all chipping in. We're the champs. And they've actually defended this. I think it's pretty inspiring. Point A. Any, you know, I just love Toronto as a city, so I'm I'm any any chance for them to keep winning, stay relevant, and increase my chances of going there, I'm all in for. It. So I'm right there with you. Siakam, obviously, another guy who people are going to throw into the to the MVP mix the way that he's playing. Another amazing. I mean, where he was two years ago to where he is now, ridiculous. Nick Nurse does not get enough discussion for he should be in the top coaches in the league talk yeah. get so much out of that team. It's ridiculous, but you really think Toronto has decided that they're not trading anybody. You really think 
that Masai Ujiri is just going to keep those guys past February. He could still trade Lowry. He could still trade Gasol. He could still trade Ibaka. So we don't know that we don't know that they're just going to defend their title as is for for a full eighty two games. I'm going to start calling you Steiny Downer. Remember the Debbie Downer, the SNL sketch, Steiny Downer. Wah, wah. Toronto's going to trade everybody. To do today, say okay, Boomer. <laughs> okay, Boomer. Steiny Downer. I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that on my. Uh, I did a column a couple of weeks ago about what a what a rough start the league was off to, and I got a lot of that. So I, I learned a new. I learned a new term. What was the rough start? Because of China and load management. What else was rough? China. The, the the fight, all the injuries, you know, Baines landing on Curry's hand. I mean, it's not just, it's, I mean, lo, I don't get all worked up about load management. I mean, teams are going to do what's best for them. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, I, you know, Earl Watson made the point, and I, I thought it was a sensational point and something that, that really hasn't been talked enough about in this whole load management thing. And it's something that you and I talk about when, when we talk about fatherhood the toll of these kids playing 97 games a weekend yeah. and all the damage that's done before they get to the NBA. That's the issue. That's what's different. That's what the guys didn't face in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties. Right. All the miles on their tires before they even get to the NBA. So it's, it's not to me, it wasn't so much the load management, but you know, China was, was not a small thing. I mean, the, just to me, the whole month of October, this was supposed to be this amazing season of, it's so wide open. It hasn't been with this wide open in forever. And I just felt like in October, we were talking about everything else but basketball. But hey, it's a new month. And I still, things are going I still, uh, I still enjoyed the season regardless of all the noise about the other stuff. Just because the, the amount of talent that's out there night to night is pretty staggering. The, with the Toronto thing, I would hate to see them sell it off because I do think it's not unrealistic. They could make the finals again. I think the East is, you talked about the league being wide open. I think the East is wide open. It's wide open. I think the East is actually deeper than we thought. Oh, it is. Miami looks yeah. dangerous. Toronto's playing better. Your Celtics, everybody wrote them off and they, you know, they're having a, a post Kyrie. Oh, we're, oh, honeymoon, the right word, upturn. Well, we'll be talking and about so them. It is a, it isn't just Milwaukee and Philly. No. I said to KOC on this podcast last week that I thought the top five in the East and the top five in the West were pretty comparable. Um, I don't feel like the the West teams, you know, if AD and, and LeBron are still healthy in May and June, which is possible, then we I'd have to readjust the thinking on this. But I think there's real health questions on the Clippers and the Lakers. Like Davis... So wait, so wait a second. So wait a second. So if you loved the Raptors as much as you loved the Celtics, you would be fine with them keeping all their guys and not starting them to to rebuild. You'd you'd want them to play this year out no matter what. So I've heard this point about well, why wouldn't they just make trades? I guess my question is, who are they trading with? Those guys have huge salaries. Where are they going? You know, and and I I also think. Like Lowry's making thirty million a year. How many teams can even absorb that yeah, for one more year? I know, but he but plays, he plays a position of huge need. They can trade him if they want to. They will have options. Yeah, but where he the salaries still have to add up. I, mean, I can't tell you on whatever. What is this November 
19th, 18th, whatever it is. I mean, I don't know today, but they will have options. I just think it's a lot. There's like 10 teams that, Minnesota, you know. You don't think Minnesota would want, would want Kyle Lowry? Yeah, but so Toronto's going to just punt on a chance to make the finals so they can get Jeff Teague in a draft pick? Like, I wouldn't do that. You think, you, you think they're on the doorstep of the finals? No. I just don't think the trade's going to be there. I, I think people are acting like it's just super easy to trade really expensive guys. Same thing with San Antonio, where they're going, well, they'll, you know, they'll rebuild, they'll trade DeRozan. Like, where? Where are they going to trade DeRozan? Who, who's lining up for their shooting guard, you know, on the downside of his prime, making $28 million a year? Where is that guy going? I, I don't get it. I, I think it's same thing with Kevin Love. Everyone's like, well, then when the Cavs trade Kevin Love, it's like, okay, well, there's probably two teams that can even put the salaries together that would make sense for a Kevin Love trade. And then what is Cleveland back? Why Getting back, why would they want to just give away Kevin Love for you know, a bunch of contracts and, you know, the, I think Portland is the team you look at, they have expiring contracts and they have Simons and that's a real asset. And if they went to Toronto and they were like, Simons is on the table, here's what we want. I like, that's a trade that would make sense to me. So to your point, maybe in December, stuff like that opens up, but I don't know how much you can count on it. And, and then you look at the East. Let's mark this down. November 19th. 2019. Yeah. Today, Picasso of the trade machine downplayed the notion of any good deal. A first. I, I think it's going to be hard. I think pod history. I think teams are a little, a little more wary of, uh, of taking on giant contracts and giving up stuff when there's so much turnover every year. You know, and unless so, Denver is a trade candidate, right? Like they have contracts. They have some assets. You could argue if they got a third piece, you know, to add to. Uh, and like I said, I hope you're right. I hope Toronto keeps together. I hope I am in Toronto many times in the spring. I cannot go there enough. I wouldn't do it. I'm not ready to. I am not ready to say that they are that they are they are 100 committed to defending the title. Too okay. Early for that. All right. That's fair. How about uh, the Celtics are another team in the East? Um, the way they have rallied back, I, I'm divesting myself just as a Celtics fan here. The way they've rallied back from what seemed to be the end of an era that never even really started yet, where you had this really fun stretch, and then all of a sudden Kyrie was leaving and Horford was leaving. It was like, holy shit, is this team going to rebuild now? What's going to happen? And now I think they're a contender. Uh, I Hayward will be back in four or five weeks, but the the combo of <laughs> getting rid of Kyrie and adding Kemba, who is already the most beloved Celtic behind the scenes that I've ever heard anyone talk about. I I didn't realize they were acquiring Gandhi. I, I thought they were getting just an all star. I didn't realize he could he could heal the world. But he's I've never heard anybody being raved about like this by everybody. Everybody loves this guy. All right, so you start there, but the. To me, the thing that's been incredible is the Tatum-Brown evolution where you have these two forwards in back-to-back drafts, top three picks, who are now evolving into these special two-way players at, at their age. Like They're really good two-way basketball players, and they complement each other. They're interchangeable, and it's a real advantage. And I, I think that's the biggest reason why they're winning. What do you see when you watch the Celts? Well, 
funny because they all, you know, I was with four of them all, you know, from, you know, for a good portion of the summer in China and before that, before they left. Yeah. And I remember in October, I talked to Jalen Brown just before, about a week, maybe two weeks before he got his extension and tried many times to, to say, you guys are off to a head start. You're, I mean, you're off to before you just spent a month ago. You guys have a head start. And he just wouldn't buy it, wouldn't agree, just refused to uh, give that any credence. But I think there is something to it. I think those, I mean, Kemba is a lovable guy. He is. Yeah. And it's great to see this for him because I really, really felt for him this summer. Yeah. It was the most overmatched Team USA that they put together that, you know, they had 30 guys say no. And Kemba Walker went there and, you know, they, they endured this seventh place finish. And every day, Kemba and Donovan Mitchell, especially the two of them, they took all the questions. They took all the heat. They didn't duck the responsibility for one second. And it was clearly not their dream to be on Team USA and go finish seventh. I mean, that was not the plan. Right. So to kind of see how quickly it slipped and to see Boston off to this great start, uh, it, you know, I, I think Kemba has a lot of people root for him around the league. And just the other night, I mean, he was, it was, he was so excited because he could never remember Mark Jackson doing one of his games. Right. I, I mean, I think actually there was a playoff game. I think there was one Charlotte Miami playoff game that, that, you know, I don't, I don't even know how you confirm something like that, but just how excited Kemba was for that. It yeah. just shows you how far off the radar Charlotte actually was. Well, the Celtics are very fun to watch. I highly recommend them just as uh, you know, it's a very Stevensy team and they're attacking the basket and all the stuff that was so frustrating about Tatum and Brown last year, just jacking up shots and not trying to get to the line. And those guys have just blossomed and it's, it's been great to watch. Another thing I love John Morant, how much have you watched of him? I mean, they've been a shock because everybody knew, I think everybody knew Ja was going to be great. And, you know, obviously with, with Zion's injury, every, I think people thought, okay, Morant's going to be the, the rookie of your favorite, but, but they actually win. I mean, they've been a, they've been a pretty tough out, yeah, which is surprising. And, um, the way you know Utah, Utah comes in there and they pull that one out. I mean, he's he's been really. I mean, that if you want to talk about positivity, I mean, we have seen some some rookie surprises. It's been nice. Like you know, again, it's for it's for an often awful Golden State team. But the way Pascal has played, I mean, it's 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 you know this none story in Miami. Nobody saw this guy doing anything remotely close to what to the way he's been producing. So. So that that's been nice to kind of counteract the fact that we still haven't seen Zion, and we don't know we don't know when we're going to see him. You know, that was another thing that was kind of in my October my October downer column is that you know, you know Zion's debut was taken away from from him before he even had a chance. You should call those downer columns Steiny Downer, or maybe like email blast them out Steiny Downers. You're just no, like, man, look, my, I mean, <laughs> look, any night on League Pass and NBA Twitter is going to be a good night. And there's always, something. I'm with you. I mean, we're always going to love that. But I mean, you got to, you know, in my job, I think I, I have know. some responsibility to track the overall health of the league. I know. I, I get it. You weren't down when, when Zion got hurt before he could even play. I mean, the way he ripped up the preseason. Well, the Zion thing, 
even if you look at the Golden State, I I hate not having Curry around, but you could argue for a lot of reasons. Um, if you're going to reboot this, this is the best possible way to do it. I hate losing the Curry season, but this is the all-time reboot. They're going to have the worst record in the league. They already do. They're t- they're a game wait, wait, worse I mean, than everybody. What is going to happen if they win the lottery? What is going to happen? Joe, <laughs> Joe Lacob will say they're late years ahead. Wait, I, I want to go back to John Moran for a second. I still need to watch him more. I, I, I don't have a full feel for him, but I've watched some. And the competitiveness is what really jumps out to me. And it's the same thing with Luca. And I, we're seeing these guys coming into the league now over and over again that are not just talented, but really give a shit and are really badass competitors. And John Moran at the end of these games, he wants to challenge. Like he, he, he guarded Kyrie at the end of that Nets game. I was really impressed by that. Like really wanted it. He's had, he's had some end of the game stuff that makes me wonder if he might even be better than I think we thought he was going to be. And I think everybody thought he was going to be good, but I'm wondering if the ceiling might be a little higher. Cause he seems like just a, Badass. Does it make sense? I mean, Memphis needs it because, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, maybe franchise saving is getting a little bit too hyperbolic. But you know, after losing all the guys they lost and starting right. over, man, for them uh, to finish number two in the lottery and get a get a player like that is, it, it might be franchise saving. Two more, two more things I'm excited about. Then I'll let you go. I know you have parental duties. James Harden's almost averaging 40 points a game. Just seems like we should mention that. <laughs> 40 points I mean, a game. I mean, and not, and you know, shooting the three ball worse than he ever has, but you think, I, I do think that will, will come around. Um, he's, he's never going to get his just due until it happens in the playoffs. But you know, is it his fault? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, and you know, and I, you know, I'm a Dan Tony guy, and you know, I think he's, I, I, I think they're, they're amazing together, and they basically, they kind of share the same fate. Like, I just, is history really going to appreciate what those guys do mm. if they don't win a title? Probably not. Well, but you know, again, this Rockets team, everybody thought trading for Russ was going to be. I mean, I, I certainly thought it was going to be a disaster. And you can talk about, oh, their schedule hasn't been that tough. They won eight in a row. I mean, and they've got plenty of holes. Yeah. Those guys are good. Mike D'Antoni and, and James Harden are really good together. Historically good together. Um, we did a book of basketball podcast about James Harden this week. And Zach Lowe compared him to, unless the playoff situation flips, to guard Carl Malone. Which... I was really jealous of, and I plan on stealing down the road once the memory of the podcast <laughs> fades. I'll just pretend I thought of it myself. But guard Carl Malone is a really good comparison and explains a lot. Because, you know, 50 years from now, people will be looking at Carl Malone's stats and they're going to be convinced he was one of the best five players of all time. Fortunately, people like you and I were there. But um, but Harden, the playoff thing, I I feel like he could average 40 a game. And it's at the point now where people go, in the playoffs. Not I'm not I'm impressed, but I'm not that impressed. I just want to go on the record as saying anybody who scores 40 points a game during an entire NBA season, I'm impressed. You've won my you've won my respect. Because that's ridiculous. Well, when Wilt's the only other person that, that's done it, 
Yeah. You can't discount it. But, and look, it's a great comparison, but also think about who has been his consistent Stockton. He hasn't had a consistent Stockton. Yeah. He's had to do it with different sidekicks over the years. His, and, his, uh, his Stockton has been the rules and his ability to be able to take four steps. That was his Stockton. They changed the rules for him. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to inflame Houston people. I mean, they didn't totally change the rules for him. They just kind of, they looked the other way. It was, it was like being on a highway where everybody's going 75 and the cops are he's, like, an eh. he's an evil lefty genius. He really is. Uh, last thing, this battle of LA is really crazy. I've lived here, it was actually 17 years ago this week. And, uh, and I think these are the two best teams in the league. If LeBron and AD can stay on the floor for seven more months, which again, LeBron's age and the miles that he has, and AD is already banged up and has some weird shoulder thing and just never seems like he's healthy ever. It's really hard to just pencil them in. But from an upside standpoint, those two guys together are really frightening. <laughs> really. Yeah, they are, the, I mean, you know, if healthy, they are the best duo. I mean, they are right out of, you know, a textbook dream of, your inside outside guys I mean, overpowering too right like there's a physicality with the combo that i think in a playoff series if they can stay on the court will be really damaging and then on the clipper side paul george just waltzes back in after he misses the first four weeks and he's immediately an all nba guy but now Kawhi's out and i know i've been to a couple clipper games i didn't love the way Kawhi was running and I, I I don't know if he's ever been the same since that second round of the playoffs, which he was able to obviously play with and deal with, and they won the title. But something's not doesn't seem one hundred percent right with his leg, and it's not passing the eye test for me. I don't feel like yeah, no, I I don't I don't think there's any question that 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 he is playing with a left a tendon injury in that left knee that ain't going away. And it's just kind of might, might be who he is, right? I, just, I, I went to Houston in advance of Paul George making his return, and it ended up that Paul didn't play until the next night in New Orleans. But I, I basically threw it at Doc Rivers. You know, are you – I mean, these guys are not these – guys, these guys might not play in 50 games together. Uh, before the season, I said they'll play in less than 60. But, I mean, it, it, might, it might be less than 50 together before the playoffs. But, you know, does this worry you, Doc? No. You when you when you are talking about the potential of having a modern day answer to Michael and Scotty, yeah, you take whatever you can get. Don't well, roll with it. I think they'll they'll be fine. I think what I've seen from Kawhi is he knows how to play with it, whatever whatever it is, and he can pick his spots. He doesn't overdo it, and he's learned how to play it like his own pace. I I've never really seen a player like him. I think old Michael Jordan is probably the only comparison. I'm talking like 96, 97, 98, the older Bulls version where he kind of figured out how to just control the pace at all times and play the game at his speed and everybody else would kind of come to his speed. And that's what I see from Kawhi, especially in these fourth quarters. He's not like going balls out, balls to the wall. It's weird. He's got this kind of kind of herky-jerky slow down. And, and, and he can, the other nine guys in the court kind of gravitate to whatever speed he's at. It's really strange. I don't, I don't know how he does it, 
But, but you uh, know, zooming through all these topics that you just kind of thrown out here, it did. It does remind me of the one thing we didn't get into with Luca that we should say. Go. What is and that? It? Is the one thing about the one thing about Luca is it's all been a honeymoon so far, and you know the the scrutiny of you know what happens if the Mavs miss the playoffs, what happens if they you know lose the first round, you know how how will he deal with adversity? Those that's kind of you know the challenge and the 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 X factor that we haven't seen yet because, you know, we, we pick apart the star players with this microscope. Like we put on Harden and just, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing that he is, he is yet to experience. I'll tell you another thing. And this will be, this goes to your point. He, he will get in a fight in this year, or next year. It's, it's almost happened a couple of times. That dude is feisty. Bird was like that too. Bird was in a few scraps. Luca, Luca will throw down. It's going to happen. He's going to throw a punch at somebody. He's got a hey, side to him. Was open, opening night with Bradley Beal was absolutely fascinating. Mm. Luca was toying with the with House's Wizards for the first half, and I mean toying. It was, it was, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And then Beal just took it upon himself to like, this guy is not going to punk us, and I'm just going to and. It, and the way those two went at it in the fourth quarter, I mean, it was near blows. It yeah. was really interesting. He's going to punt. I have two Luca predictions for you. Well, I have three. I think he's. I think he will finish in that twenty nine nine and nine range. And I think there is a world in which triple double becomes realistic for like a week. But I, I think it's too hard. I don't think he can do it. Um, I think they win at least forty eight. And I think he throws a punch at somebody. Hopefully, it's not you. <laughs> or a teammate. <laughs> it won't be me. Uh, all right. Congrats. I don't know how you did it. You 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 had a top 16 all-time guy in your life for two solid decades, and now another one has landed in your lap. The luckiest man alive, Mark Stein. more years. <laughs> My God, you're going to be- 20 more years of Luca. You're going to be like in your late 60s going like, just it'll be like two-thirds of your life watching superstars. This is unbelievable. Ugh. Mark Stein. We'll read you in the New York Times. What's how do we subscribe to the newsletter? Is it easy? All it takes is an email. Just Google Mark Stein newsletter. You'll see a picture that looks like me sleeping, but I'm actually not sleeping. I'm actually typing on my Blackberry. Put your email in the little box and you get the newsletter right to your inbox. No hassle. No issue. Every do you, Tuesday. Do you want ten seconds to talk about the soccer coach that got fired today? Well, you're the big Tottenham fan, allegedly. Well, I thought I thought, may I? I'm giving you the floor. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah. look, it's Steve Nash's team. It ain't mine, but it's just amazing. Like we think, like we think we have this crazy coaching carousel, and that that coaches in this country are under pressure. Yeah, I mean, 2016, Leicester wins the most improbable championship in the history of pro sports, and obviously we don't have time to debate it. But just trust me, it was. The dude was fired by the following February. Pochettino wow. takes Steve Nash's Spurs to the Champions League final for the first time in ever, and he he doesn't even make Christmas. Insane, brutal, brutal sport. Just wait till Pop gets fired after the sixteen game losing streak. Nah, um, Pop Pop could lose sixty in a row. He ain't getting fired. No, nah, he's bought too many dinners for everybody. They don't, it's too much, too much food and wine. He's keeping his job. Uh, Mark Stein, this was a pleasure. Let's do it again. Let's do it. 
All right, we're bringing in Chadwick Boseman in one second. Let's talk about Square. They make that little white reader that lets anyone take credit cards. You gave it to your barber, right? Fernando is out here killing it. Fernando, is he? What does he say? He said he said shout out Ringer actually the other day. Did he really? Yeah, he did. See, this Fernando's killing it. Uh, running and growing a business takes so much more than payments. That's why Square built so many more tools that can help. Point of sale software, invoices you can send from your phone, easy to build websites, access to business loans to help you manage your cash flow, purchase new equipment, or whatever it is you need to grow your business. Their payments are the best in business. No complicated contracts or weird fees. You always get your money fast, even instantly. The best part, all these tools are in one place. They're all built to work together. So whether you sell stuff on Instagram or a website, whether you own a restaurant or a retail boutique, whatever, Square has tools for you. See other ways Square can take your business from square one to where Fernando's at right now and whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS. Loan subject to credit approval and issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. And one more thing before we get to Chadwick Boseman, the rewatchables, we are basically doing one a week the rest of the way. I'm not on the next couple, but uh, we have a, a Bond movie. Whoa. Yeah. Which one? I think it's Skyfall. That's Skyfall? this week. Last week we did the holiday and there was a Simmons on it, but it wasn't me. It was my wife. It was Carrie Simmons's first rewatchables. She did it with Julia Lemon and Amanda Dobbins about the holiday, which is I think my wife's favorite movie. So that happened. And then we have a whole bunch more all leading to the epic Godfather two in December. Brian Koppelman flying cross country to join us. That's actually happening. God, I don't know how many hours it's going to be, but it will be at least three. But that is all happening. So subscribe to the Rewatchables or refresh your feed if you have subscribed already. Don't forget about Book of Basketball 2.0. Two pods this week. I think we have one more coming next week. Uh, James Harden week this week on the BOB 2.0. And we also have a Twitter feed that you can check out. It's Book O Basketball. Couldn't fit the of because it was one too many characters. Book O Basketball, but... Not only do we tweet the links to the podcast there, but also some articles and some videos and some other stuff that accompany it. So it's a little uh, addendum feed for the pod. So you can you can follow that on Twitter as well. All right, let's bring in Chadwick Boseman. All right, so I was looking through your, your IMDb. You're one sports movie away from being a sports movie Hall of Famer. Oh, I got to do one then. What is, what's you need the one number? more. So Vontae Mack. Right. I feel like a pretty iconic sports movie, like supporting role character. I like that movie. I watch the movie I all the loved, time. I loved doing the movie. You know what I'm saying? And and um, and then your Jackie it, Robinson. It holds up. Well, I want to talk day about holds that. Up. Draft day holds Draft up. Draft day holds up. Yeah. And your Jackie Robinson, but no basketball movie. And then you play basketball. What are you doing? Oh, it's not my fault. Uh, it is your fault. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. You have the pull to make a basketball movie now. What are you doing? I, well, I'll be a coach now. I'll be a coach. No, they no the, way. The, you it could, still counts. If I, it still counts. You look younger than you are. You could play like a guy like mid thirties. He's at the end of his line. He's playing for like Utah. Oh, he's his last see, leg of his career. He's city. He's at the end of his line. He's at the end of his line, <laughs> but but makes one last run at it. Well, Gets in great shape. Meets the right lady. It's a comeback story. I like that part. I like that part. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Yeah. I don't really have the whole But it doesn't yet. count if I play a coach. It's kind of too. It's like coaches are in the I Hall of Fame. I guess you could play a coach. I don't know. You know, but Phil you, Jackson had a, had, had a championship both ways, you know. You could do that, but you're good at basketball. You're going to take right. advantage of it. You're right. You're right. Okay, we'll we'll try to find. I, it's hard to find a good basketball movie, truth be told. Which ones, which roles are you jealous of? Love and basketball. Love and basketball is the, is the one. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that would be, it's really hard to like, 
to find the right role in because they're good basketball movies, but the right role. Yeah. Love and Basketball is the I think the quintessential one that it holds up. I think they're probably gonna do that again at some point. Well, it's twenty year anniversary coming up. Yeah, they're gonna it's, it's remakes that are happening. It's, it's either gonna become a TV show or something like. Yeah. <laughs> like I, where do you stand on remakes? Because like I would be actually be mad if they remade that because I think it holds up. My daughter really likes it. I just watched it over there a few months ago, and I think it's certain things change need, it. Certain things need to stay like the original and don't don't yeah. remake. Like you can't remake that. No, but they're gonna do it. You do a sequel. You you, you could. You could. You Maybe. You could do it. You could. But I'm trying to figure out how I could get you in the sequel. It, it doesn't make sense. You couldn't be the son. If they're not, you're not old enough. No, 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 no. Like, just let, let some stuff be a classic and let it be the only one. I mean, maybe... 20 more years from now, you can, 20 do, it years, yeah, yeah. You can do it again. But. Well, you should... You know how bloggers aggregate stuff you say and they may get stories out of it? Yes. And it'd be like, Chadwick Boseman says, Black Panther 2 from, is never happening. And it then stops you, me from saying a lot of stuff, yeah. too. So how about we do, uh, you issue a challenge to all the screenwriters out there. Write me a basketball movie. I'll make it. Headline. Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> and then that'll be out I, there. Yeah. You're one away. Let's, let's do it. Right? The sports movie Hall but of Fame. It could, why couldn't it be like Tennis. It could be tennis. It could be. I was just trying to take advantage of the stuff yeah, you're good yeah, at, yeah. though. You, you know, maybe I'm because Wesley Snipes was Wesley not Snipes good at basketball, but was in White Man Can't Jump, which is an iconic sports movie. Right. But they had to teach him how to play basketball. We did a he podcast did pre- about it. He did pretty good. He for a person it. that was that was being taught. Yeah, he was a lot was of like high dribbles. Was Woody Harrelson like Woody Harrelson? Was, was, good. He, was he was he he was already good? Yeah, he was good. Okay, that's it. See, I didn't know that. I had no Woody idea. Harrison. And now David Duchovny went for the Woody Harrelson role and he didn't get it. Wow. He was another one who was good. Clooney's supposedly good. You must, do, don't you play in the sets ever? You know or are you what, just out? You're the retired. The only time I've ever played, even at the studio, is at Warner Brothers. They have like a, they have a pretty cool outside court there. And I did that when I was, when I was like training for 42. I would go out and yeah. play basketball. But other than that, I think people are, are trying to say their knees most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, They yeah. are, they are. So You know who's good is MBJ. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He is good. Yeah, he I coached him in the celebrity game, and it's it was an emotionally scarring experience for him. Why? Because he didn't play well. He had Kevin Hart as his point guard, who was listen very Allen Kevin Iverson-y. Hart. Yeah. I love Kevin, but <laughs> but it becomes like a it becomes like a comedy show. Yeah, well, that's you know? what happened, and then so he yeah. was just. I think he was ready to be like Kobe two thousand six, Michael B. Jordan in the game. Yeah. He was ready to be like, and clear he out, get, I got this. He didn't get the opportunity. Didn't get it. Yeah. Didn't I, get it. With the the year I played, um oh, it was, the celebrity it, game. It, yeah, I played I played in the celebrity game. I didn't I didn't even score because of the same thing you're saying. Because basically what happened is it was it was like three things that happened. One, um, I was about to do Panther and um Jesse Williams Jesse Williams got hurt during that. Yeah. He got hurt during that game. And I looked over my shoulder and like my reps was like, don't you do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like jog the rest of the game. Yeah. And um, and then Anthony, I went up for, I was about to go up for a basket, and Anthony Anderson, I think he thought I was gonna dunk on him. And he he undercut me. And he's been oh he's been apologizing me, but it was a pretty, it was like a plate, like a it was a, like a '90s basketball playoff basketball foul, like and it was I was like, like a '90s Knicks, yeah, like it was <laughs> it was Knicks Detroit, like it was yeah. like one of those. 
And he's he to this day, every time he see me, sees me, he apologizes. But yeah, it it was that in combination with like every time you know Kevin Hart got the ball, he was like, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting. I'm yeah, shooting. he ruined the game for like four yeah, years. Yeah. What uh loving to death though. We you, <laughs> what's your what's you are you perimeter? Or what are you? Oh, I play point guard. I point play, guard. I play point oh, guard. interesting. Yeah, I play point guard. I so play in a, guard. So in a movie that could work. It could work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other one, you you box. I saw it too. Yeah. See, to me, that would be the. It would be a boxing movie. Probably like that would be what I would gravitate towards. Because I love boxing movies. I think it's but it's easy to tell a good story in a boxing movie than it is. Um, just just with with um what you go through when you're a fighter, that story and the alternate story of the person you're fighting, you're that's yeah. always something where you're in two different places going through the same thing and um and that drama, that build up and what how close you become with the person you're fighting is yeah. always the story. You know, it's always it always works, no matter what. And you know, it's I, I just the sweet science is something that I think it's also hard to capture it on camera. Yeah. Like it's really hard to do it and, and to capture it well and somebody doing it well. Um So you were jealous of Creed? No, no, I am not. I love it. No, I mean jealous in a good way. Like it's a great movie. You wish No, I always see it like, you know, I always I'm the person pulling for the boxing movie. I'm pulling for it because it's I know it's so hard to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So and I get something from like, you know, even uh, Will Smith's Ali, you know, I always get something from watching those movies that I don't get from watching other sports movies. Yeah. That, that's exhilarating. So, nah, it's no jealousy at all. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, if you can do it, I'm pulling for you. I'm pulling for you. It's amazing that they keep being made out of all the sports movies. Yeah. Sports. Boxing has been going back to like the, the 30s. It's the best one. It's To me, yeah. it's the best, like... You know, it's mano a mano. You know, it's the it's the training. The training, you know, sequences are always gonna work. You know, what I'm saying like if you do it re- if you do it well, you get yeah. shape for it. So well, and also if you're an actor, you really you get selling to get an this awesome boxing shape. movie thing right now. <laughs> like, I need to get you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not that many people in there. Burt Reynolds is in there. I didn't even think about that as a possibility, but hey, let's go for it. Snipes I mean? is in there. Omar Epps. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. So you. you my opinion, you have to have at least three really good sports movie roles mm. to be able to get in. Right. Four, ideally, but three. So I feel like you have two. Right. But the basketball or the boxing. And you could maybe be a basketball coach like six years. You'd bring back so, Coach Carter. Coach Carter, too. Coach Carter, too. Coach but, Carter, or, surprising or do, amount or of do, legs. Or, or, do, or do something similar. Like, you know, Remember the Titans is a great movie, too. Yeah. You know. That's one. That's one. Actually, that every time it comes on, like I actually have to watch at least thirty minutes. Right, right, right. At least thirty. It's funny. I was looking at the Disney Plus app, and Disney's just made a lot of sports movies. Yeah, and they have. There's a sports movie section, and then there's like an inspirational section, and it's just like thirty, thirty-five sports movies. But it's all of those. Like, remember the Titans, the Rookie. Mm-hmm. Miracle, like they were just cranking them out forever and ever. In my opinion, they they should just be coming out. There should there should be a new sports movie like every three months. Well, trust me, I've gotten my fair share come across. 
scripts. The desk. Yeah, scripts. Yeah, come across the desk. But, but it has to be, you know, a lot of them are real, they're like, you, you, they're real they're real people. So this biopics again. Right. So I have to watch when you, I do You can't it. make any more biopics. I can, but it's gotta be the right one. It's How many be, have you done? Three? Be, Two or three? Let's not even talk about it. They were all good though. Yes. It's yeah, not like you yeah. made like a bad one. Trust me. Love it. Like I love I love it. But it's and I love the process. Um, but it's one of those things like you just don't you shouldn't do it every time because the process, there is a slight difference in. Well, what do you mean the process? What's the process? Well, it's, 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 it's research, you know, it's like you're, you can't just arbitrarily choose to do something, you know what I mean? Because you, you owe it to the family, you know, you owe it to the person to, to sort of live up to, to certain things. And you have, you have a liberty, you have some freedom with, within um, the unknowns. Yeah. But, uh, but there is like a parameter based upon this is the truth, you know, this is the truth. So I can, I can figure out this in between. Whereas, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, a fictitious character, you can just make up a lot, any, almost, you can make up at least 60, 70% of it, you know? know? How do you find the balance between impersonating somebody who everybody knows versus creating your own character out of that person? Because the worst case scenario, right, is you're just doing an SNL sketch impersonation of the guy, which is not what you want. Yeah, you don't, I don't do an impersonation. Right. Right. I, because there is a, there is, that's one way to approach it. Um, What I try to do is I try to find, you know, I I find things that are true and then I, I, I use that as the foundation to like explore off of that and then if I go to a place that okay well that's not right that's that's you like yeah. I'm I'm either mindful of it or somebody else is mindful of it like you know that that was that was you right there or that was that was something else but but the impersonation is one where I think you're you're stuck even more so in the box than what I described before yeah um and and what's dangerous about it is you know when you a lot of times when you're making fun of things, you imitate them. So like you said, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So, so for instance, with James Brown, I was like, I can't do an impersonation. You had an Eddie Murphy hot tub? I can't, James Brown celebrity if, if, hot tub in your head? Yeah. And, and, and mind you, I love Eddie Murphy too. Yeah. Um, but if I do that, even though most people wouldn't even be able to articulate the difference in the two things, like it's going to become something where I'm making fun of him instead of paying homage to him. And, and, and it's, it's subtle, but you, but you know the difference when you see it actually, like I know the difference. So like, I always try to just find things that are true. And there, there's certain things like, you know, I didn't do Jackie Robinson's voice, you know? Yeah. And at first I, I, I wanted to, I was like, you know, talking to Brian Hoagland. He was like, nope, nope, don't do the voice. Don't do the voice. You what know, was his voice? Was like, I don't even remember. It's um, it distinct. It's very distinct, and I I I hesitate to even try to. I'm not gonna. Try but, it. but was it like? Did he it's, have an it's, accent? It's, or? It's, no, it's like it's it's from that time period. You yeah, know, yeah, it has that it has that pace and intonation from the from oh, that, that time very period. Formal. Very formal, and also it's higher pitched than you would expect it to be, and um, you know, uh, Brian was like, you know, that's gonna take us out of the movie. 
because you're you're so much about that time period that everybody else in the movie would have to do that same thing in order yeah. for us to for it to work, and so um, or do their version of the same thing. It was like no, no, find it, find you know something else that gives us a sense of, of the time period, but not that exact you know thing, and so it became a thing of like, oh, okay, what's the essence of this person as opposed to the, an imitation of the person or, you know, it's, it's you, when you play a real person, a lot of times you're choosing, you're like, like, you're, like you're a painter. You're choosing what parts and perspectives you want to show because it's impossible sometimes to show everything and make yeah. people follow the story. So it's a decision, you know? Well, it's funny, like Jackie and James Brown, it's such different energies, right? Totally. Jackie, almost like a blank slate, but he, there's a lot going on, yeah. which you did really well in the movie. And James right. Brown is so much more theatrical. It's a, it's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going <laughs> a on. Lot a lot of mood swings. Yep, 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 yep. And, you know, uh, Jackie Robinson, you know, he 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 was fiery at times, too. Well, um, he was... A, he was a badass. I mean, I was, was glad the movie bad, hit some of that stuff because yeah. he got his revenge on everybody down the he did down the line. Not, not quite like Michael Jordan, no. you know what I'm saying? But it, but he was he's he's that he's he that was going guy. spikes up. And, he's that guy. Yeah, you know he what was saying? getting yeah. slowly getting everybody back. Yeah, that that intensity that makes somebody a winner like that. You know what I'm saying? Like he had that Michael Jordan thing. You know, or Michael Jordan had his thing. However you want to say it. Did you expect that movie to do as well as it did? Because I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, "Oh man, this is, I'm I'm glad they're doing this. I wonder who's going to see it." But now I feel like every kid eventually sees that movie. It's going to yeah. have a, a shelf life, I think. I'm going to. I have to say, like, I didn't. I didn't have a real sense of of like at that point in time. I didn't have a real sense of like what's going to do well and what's not going to do well. Yeah. Um, because it was my first time playing the lead. It was, it was right. my first time having to think about things in that way. Um, and so in my mind, I was I was just like, I have to just go out here and sell the movie. Like after yeah, we, yeah. after we've done it, like you know, I have to do my best to make sure that you know it doesn't fail at the box office, and and you know people don't know who I am, so I have to let them know who I am and and what the movie is. But I didn't have a sense of whether or not that was gonna work or not. You know what I'm saying, or or the movie was gonna work, um, but I had I had been told a lot of things like that, you know, that a movie like this wouldn't work, you know, all those things, or that if if you have a black lead, it won't work. If you have a black lead, people don't know it won't work, you know. So all those things were things that you're kind of fighting against, and I think the the studio, or and especially um, Legendary at that time, uh, went out on a limb. To yeah. make sure that that movie was made, legendary put put a lot into making that making that work. What? So you were, I think, mid thirties when you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What took so long for you to have a leading role? Was that your choice, or did you just not get a break? Um, both. Yeah, I think it's both. Like, um, you know, part of it is like I think it's it's difficult for some actors to to understand what it what is it that you have to do to break through you know what i'm saying like what what is what's your particular journey to get to that spot where where you you know break through or even understanding what does it mean to break through like yeah you know if 
for me, I think that was hard because I was I was an artist, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't I yeah. wasn't like I'm trying to play lead roles. I was I in my mind it was more like I have this idea for this play that I'm writing or yeah. the script, you know, and this this cool thing I want to direct. And like it was my my mind was spread in a lot of different places. And so it wasn't it was never about becoming a star, actually. Right. It was it was just about being a being the the best artist, you know, that I wanted to be. And I think at a certain point, I came to the realization that if you do this one thing, you can do everything. And so I focused on I began to focus on, oh, let me just act for right now. Yeah. And so now, you know, I'm able to do the exact thing that I was doing before. Um, it probably like, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people tell me that you should have went to L.A. sooner. And like, you know, they were they were probably right, you know. Um, but I think things happen when they're supposed to happen. Also, like, you know, I, I'm better suited for the life and the pitfalls that that come. You know, because it happened when it happened. You know what I'm saying? Like happened I, later. Yeah, happened later. Yeah, yeah I'm, I did, I did, I'm, I'm less, you know, prone to squander it, <laughs> right? Because it happened when it happened. That's like the old George Clooney theory, right? That yeah. He when he became really successful on ER, he was much older, and if it had happened to him younger, it would have demolished I mean, you him. Don't, you don't know, but I, I, I feel like. For me, it just it was just a thing of focus. Like once my focus became, oh, this is what I'm doing, then it just happened, you know. That's something that's happened to a lot of actors, though. It seems like a common theme of people who have been successful or people that I didn't want it. That's no, just but, the best way to say it. Like, but breaking into that. the industry, like doing plays and doing stage and all kinds of things, but not being like, I gotta get to the yeah. and then it ends up happening and it happens organically. Yeah. Well, to me, it's it's like because I I'll have people that will you know they'll they'll see me out or they'll see me um, you know I just did this revolt summit for uh, for uh, Puff and um, you know it's all about you know sh- telling your story and letting people see that it can be done yeah and people will will like they want success to happen for them really quickly. And I was always of the mindset of just respecting the art form, like respecting the people that came before me and respecting yeah. the respecting the, you know, the the craft. Like, you know, have good teachers. Have 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 find your own what is your method of acting, you know, yeah. like and and not not doing somebody else's method and trying to approval seek, but finding what is what works for you. Um and I think it's always been, you know, that was success, not necessarily like, you know, making a whole bunch of money or people or fame or after a while you want to pay your bills and you got goals in life and you're yeah. like, okay, now I'm ready for this. <laughs> but it's it's always been more about about the craft and more about um when you get in that opportunity you want to be able to like to actually capitalize on it did you put on weight for Vante Mac 
I put on up, a right? lot of weight for that. You're almost unrecognizable. Yeah, I put on a lot. I I think I've changed. I'm Did you pass all the PD tests after? Did, they, <laughs> did you fail? Did you get suspended from the set for six weeks? I should have. <laughs> I put on about... It was it was super quick. In a month, I put on 25 pounds. Oh, wow. It was stupid. Like, it was the most unhealthy weight gain I've ever heard of. Yeah. It was it was at least 25 and like maybe less than a month. Just eating, eating protein, like and no no steroids. But <laughs> like it's like I, I don't really know how I did that. But I, I put on so much weight for that. There's a news article and you're like, I don't know how that got into my system. <laughs> like with the athletes do now. Yo. I don't I don't understand. It was, I was taking a, uh, <laughs> something for fertility. And, like. Can you can you explain uh in twenty seconds how Costner gets all his picks back? How what? In the in draft day, the plot. I can know. I, <laughs> no way. In the world. I don't think anyone can. Well, see, the hard part is that I watch when I do a movie. It's a flaw, huh? It's a flaw in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, what it is, but but <laughs> I still love it. I but, say this yeah. out of love. Yes, it's a flaw. But when I watch when I do a movie, I don't go back and watch them. Like I, that's it. You move on. I move on. I don't. I. It's very rare that I will sit and watch a movie that I've done. Um, and the only reason why I've seen, I think half of draft day. And I was like, this movie holds up. Yeah. Uh, is because I was with somebody else who was like, no, we're going to sit and watch this. Yeah. And, and, um, it's the greatest Cleveland Browns moment of, of I think, the last 60 years. Yeah. This since is, 1964. Yeah. Costner getting his picks back. Yo. It's not a lot of highlights for it the Browns me, fans. And it makes me pull. I'm not a Browns fan, but it makes me, like, start to pull. I pull for them for at least the first half of the year just to see if, you know, they can have a Vontae Mack moment. The reason that works as a sports movie and why it's grown on me is the the side characters I'm really interested in. Like, Vontae Max not in the movie that much, but I'm like, I'm in on this guy. I wish she was in more scenes. Yeah. And the same thing for the quarterback. He decides not to draft, and they did a good job. I always feel like that's the key. Remember the Titans is like that, too. Yes. Where um, the two linebackers who become friends. Like, I just I just like those guys. I want oh, to spend yeah. more time with them, but they're not in there that much. Yep. But that always works. Yeah, I forgot Harris. you were in the uh, you were in the Ernie Davis movie too. Yeah, but you so were in... but it's not it's not enough to get me in the Hall of Fame. No, though. but it gets it, it it helps the candidacy. It does. You it had does. speaking it's, lines it's in three, it. I had did. You Floyd Little. I did. I did. And he's a, he's a legend as well. But but I feel like when you're saying you do three sports movies, you need to be three yeah. three iconic parts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So well, Floyd Little is iconic now. It's just right. It's just I'm only in there at the end. So, right. Yeah. Well, if you do the boxing movie, maybe Creed three. Maybe it's Creed's hey, hey, Creed's hey, cousin. I can come in as a cousin or something. <laughs> I talk to Michael about it. You know? I think I think they would go for that. What uh, <laughs> did you know him before you did Black Panther? We've known each other a long time. Yeah. 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 I've known I've known him since he was in New York. He's a BS podcast favorite. He's yeah. he's an OG on this. We yeah. going way back. I think he was on my old one at Grantland and yeah, we we he's been on here for a while. Yeah, yeah, we go back. We so, go back. and he's telling you about Kugler, and he's like, "Do this movie." Uh, what what movie? Uh, for Black Panther. 
Oh, you're saying Kugler wanted him to do it. No, I'm saying Michael B. Jordan's telling you about how good he is as a director, I'm sure. Oh, no, he didn't have to tell me that. No. Because you knew from Creed. I knew from, well, I knew from Fruitvale. Yeah. I knew from, I knew, yeah. That's all you have to, you have to see that. That's when he came on the podcast initially. You know, that's, that's, I think, um, you know, the thing about Marvel is I think what they always try to do is 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 pick they're not picking directors that do big movies like that they're picking the the director that does the small movie yeah and so so that there is like a a push pull confrontation between this you know their machine and then a filmmaker that wants to want that has a, a voice and a vision so i mean to me that's what for a panther, that's what you needed. You had to have somebody that was like that had it, that had intentionality that they wanted to do something particular with this movie. They didn't want to just make another Marvel movie. Hey, let's talk about Luminary, a podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. I'm excited about Luminary. It's the only place that I can listen to the Ringer's amazing new podcast, Sonic Boom: How Seattle Lost Its Team, hosted by our very own Jordan Ritter Khan. This series is almost over. We've gotten to the part where the team got stolen this week, and uh, it's brutal. If you're a fan of sports, great investigative journalism, or teams getting cruelly taken away from a city that loved them, this is a podcast for you. Luminary offers more than 40 podcasts you can't find anywhere else. We did two other ones for them. Uh, Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 1999, and the Rewatchables spinoff, The Rewatchables 1999. The Luminary app, free to download, gives you access to way more than just their own content. Use it to listen to thousands of other shows, including this one. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash Simmons. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash Simmons for two months of free access. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. Did you have a moment before you actually did the movie where you're like, am I sure I want to do this? This is going to be a really huge movie and it's Panther. probably going to change my life. Yeah. No. No. Um, no, I knew it was going to change my life for sure. Um, you're saying, was this going to be such a big thing that I and I didn't want all right. of the, I didn't want that smoke. Am I ready for this? Yeah. I knew I was ready for the the task at hand. Um, to be honest, like for as far as like the the every the, the everyday things about your life that change, um, um, fame, whatever, those things, like I I try not to think about that most of the time. Like in going into something, like you you just you just can't worry about that because it also might not, like yeah. like it might not change. Um, and I, and I think there's, for a lot of actors, there's this misconception because you don't have a sense of like the reach of everything. Like in, in the, in the lay person, people don't have a sense of like the reach of the things that they do. Like if I go home and I talk to my family, they'll say, well, when are you going to get on? They'll name some TV show that's not as big as anything I've done. Right. And I'm like. I'm not going to go back and do that. Right. Like, that's crazy. When are you going to Chicago but, Fire? But in there, in there, <laughs> that's my, that's my show. Yeah. Like, that's my, we, we going to get on that show. Yeah. Like, but it's in, 
in and sometimes in actors' minds, they have this false sense of like what their fame is or how big of a reach they have. And, and I learned that you you know you have to sort of like just do the work and let all that stuff sort of come to you when it comes to you. Yeah, because it's 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 building. It can build something that's unhealthy in your head. So for me, it's all about you know really the people you get to work with like that's the beauty of it all like yeah. i think of the the people that i've had the opportunity to work with and that blows your mind like you know it blows your mind that you get to actually like if you wanted to learn this craft and then you get to sit across you know the camera from from a jk simmons or you know a harrison ford or any, many of the, the actors that I've been around, you know, Robert Downey Jr., you're like, oh, wow, this is this is why I started doing this. So I'm not going to trade, like, that's worth it. That's yeah. what's worth it is that you that you get to do it with the best people. The, the other part is, like, you know, you some of it you love and some of it you, some of it you don't, you know. Some of, you know, as far as life is concerned. And the parts you don't, you just try to avoid it when you can. Kyle wanted to know. That's Kyle over there. How many, <laughs> how many photos have you had to post the last five years with with somebody doing that? Doing the hands I don't across? do. I don't. If I don't want to do it, I don't do it. How many times do you get asked? Is this just part of your everyday life? Nobody, nobody asked me to pose like that except for it's like weird situations when they do it. That's good. That makes me happy. Yeah, that like reduces my they, faith think, in humanity. I think, they, I think they know better than to ask me that. Um, because it's like the boxer, you know. Anytime there's like whatever boxer, they have yeah, to yeah, put they the sugar in letter. Yeah, hey, it's got to go up for some. Come reason. on, give me a fist. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. I'm glad that doesn't happen. It, it, it most of the time, um, you know, I'm trying to think. It like it's always, it's always somebody like, man, can can I get this? And I'm like, you could do it, <laughs> right? You I'm know, just gonna stand next to you. You, you could, you could do it. You could do it all you want. Um. And then probably asking for the sequel, right? Who's asking for the Just sequel? Just everybody. Oh, people are definitely like, when is the sequel happening? They're ready. Yeah. Like, people are upset that it's going to take so long. It's, what is it, 2022? Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely happening. It's definitely happening. Yeah. But for me, that's not that long because, you know, I know what they have to do to get to you know to prepare for it for us to shoot it and then the the post production like it's 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 a lot it's a lot of work the only thing we know for sure about the sequel is that Angela Bassett's still going to look fantastic no matter what year you make it she she's the eighth wonder of the world is wow. she's the eighth wonder of the world yes she is yeah it's unbelievable that's my she's, mama you talk about now. she's on nine she's on nine one one no she's I think she's like sixty now it's unbelievable she's amazing. She's amazing. She looks amazing. She doesn't she age. In, she stays in shape, though. She doesn't age. She does not. She does not. Like, I have nothing to say about it except for you are, you are 100% right. And it, I'm trying to make sure I say the right thing. It's, we, we gave her props, and that's what she needed. Yeah. What, what was your SNL experience like? You know what? You must have loved that. It's so weird, I, right? I, I didn't think I would. At first, I I thought it was just gonna be so nerve wracking, yeah. and, and especially during that time, I was like, "Do I really need?" It's 
the craziest thing you ever do. Yeah. Like, I don't know if anybody else thinks that, but. No, everybody it, says that. It's the craziest thing you ever do because you, you, you don't know what to expect. And if you did know what to expect, it would be even worse. So like, even <laughs> like I've, you know, thinking about going back, doing another one. I'm like, well, I'm excited. But then at the same time, we're like, it's gotta be, I gotta be ready for it. Right, right, right. So, but uh, it, it's because it's the it's the first time in a long time that you've been in that type of experience as an actor where you're like, this could completely bomb. Like yeah. it just, I have no control over this. We can't do another take. This is it's not it's not even like a play where you've had you know a month of rehearsal, right? You literally just got these scripts on Thursday and you didn't even get they're not complete and you had you had way more than the ones you do so you've been working on things that you're not even gonna do and even that day you've actually done like this uh preview performance that had the rehearsal more, the, the rehearsal the, and the rehearsal is always is is better than that than the live performance yeah because you have like this really hype crowd that comes in so that's actually one of the hardest things if you've ever you know done a play on stage is like the first the opening night is great the 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 second night you're trying to live up to opening night in your head in and, your head yeah. and, and, it's, and it always falls flat of that so the one you do on tv is that is like falling flat of the one you did you know, their opening so it's the craziest experience. It's like all the changes, you know, and how quick it is. And and, um, and you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants, really. 21 Bridges? 21 Bridges. Proud of it. This seems, yeah. it seems like you're really fired up about this movie. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's fun. It was, it was a fun experience because, you know, it's, you know, it's the first thing I'm doing, um, you know, away from Marvel in a minute. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm a producer on the movie. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just it's it's been great to sort of to help put this cast together. Um, uh, we have a, we have a great cast. J.K. Simmons, uh, one of my favorite actors. Uh, Sienna Miller is outstanding. She has another movie coming out right now. I think it's called America Woman, which I'm yeah. excited about seeing. Um, Stefan James. Great actor and and um really, really wanted him in the movie because you you got you have two sides sort of playing against each other. I think we needed him and Taylor Kitsch on on that other side and and they they kill it, you know what I'm saying? So it seems I, like it's a nineties throwback movie. It is. Is that fair? It's it's partially I haven't seen it it's yet. partially like a nineties throwback movie and partially a seventies throwback movie. Oh, look so, at you. So it's it it, it feels you know, it feels a little bit like French Connection. It feels a little bit like The Fugitive. It feels it's it's like it feels a little bit like Heat. You know, it has it has that sort of like intense drive to it. So as soon as like the the action starts, it's, it doesn't really stop. You know what I'm saying? Um, that sounds like a movie I would watch ten times. Because those you named all movies that I love and I watch over yeah. and over again. Does, do you get to yell at any point? Shut down the bridge, to the top <laughs> of your lungs, or no? That that line, I would have I would have recommended did not that. Make it in. It didn't was, get in. It was in the first draft. Shut down the bridge. No. <laughs> Nothing. No, it did. <laughs> That's hilarious. Are you a good guy or a bad guy? 
There, there you don't know. Everybody's okay. a little bit. Okay, everybody's. A little, a little it's one bit. of those movies. Yeah, everybody's a little bit dirty. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. It's your first time movie cop role? I don't remember. First, yes. First All right, so we banged that out. Now we got to. Yeah. Gotta, now you got to do the boxing or basketball. Hey, it's a few things. It's a few things before that, though. It's a few things we got before the, that. Listen, the basketball is a show for If you have. I would say three years left. Oh, you can be able to, no, no, it's oh my God. no. Look, here's why I'm going to make like, the case. You gotta do it right now. No, because you have the basketball scenes. Those are hard. You got to do those for listen, like two months. No, listen, I know physically. That's you the don't reason, physically. You got to do it now. That's the that's the reason why. That's the reason why I'm not doing it because I got to go back to Panther. Like that's you know how you can pull, pull an Achilles, pull a oh yeah. You know, it's, you're smart. You take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's like because nah. the boxing. I feel like you could push back. Denzel did. Uh, when did he did when he did a Hurricane? Yeah. He must have been late forties when he did that, Something right? Like that. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah, you could get away with that. You just you get know. in good shape. Nobody will know. Um, I don't know about the basketball movie day. Like in my mind, in my mind, it's the best. It's, it's gonna it's have boxing. to. You, you yeah. have to be a coach. It's, we figured it out. Yeah, I said it from the beginning. And you said no. Well, I I tried to fight it, <laughs> should, yeah. but maybe there's a scene where you you play against the kids because they don't they don't respect you enough, and that's when you get to show off the. Hey, shops. I think you need to write this movie. Maybe I'm just maybe spitballing for you. Direct it. Writer director. There's one scene where you scrimmage with the kids to really lay down. And the that law. would get me in. That would get me in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would help. All right. hey, All right. Sam Jackson, Coach Carter. That's that counts for. He doesn't well, have enough of a resume, got, but it would have counted. He, he, you know, Denzel and he got game. You know, he he has the, in the, and apparently. You know, he has a scene where he, where he plays one on one with yeah, Ray. That story's Allen. true. He yeah, scores the first he four scores points. The first, yeah, he told that story on this podcast. Well, Spike and Spike was telling me this summer. You know, yeah, and like he was like, "Yo, it's true." Like he, Denzel came in. It was worse than that though, because he said he rope doped Ray Allen. He was talking he, about he how he didn't have a left, left hand. He could and go then left. He went and left. Then he went left. Yeah. Like, What's going on? <laughs> he went left. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, that's how you do it. Because the right. game starts before. All right, before we go, you're a giant sports fan. Yep. You don't have the the chance that much to talk sports. Nah. Do the thing. Let's do it. Let's want want to talk. We're taping this before Lamar versus Watson. Right. So hopefully that was an awesome game. But heading into that game, you who are you more fired up about? Uh I'm a Deshaun Watson fan. So you know you're you're in the school of Watson. I'm in the school. I mean, I grew up. I'm from Anderson, South Carolina. He went to Clemson. You know what I'm saying? So, oh. and that, you know, they 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 played before. You know, they played before when he was at Louisville, when Lamar was at Louisville. So we've seen this battle before. I already know it's going to be be. Who amazing. won that one? I don't remember. Clemson won. Clemson was ranked number five. Louisville was ranked number three. Um, so, so when Watson drops to like 12, are you going nuts in the draft? Uh. I'm like, well, with both of them. Yeah. Well, both of them. Well, dropped, went 32. Both of them dropped. Like, no way in the world either one of them should have dropped. You know, I I was like, everybody's going to pay for that. Like, yeah. both years. I was like, everybody, you know, people are going to regret, you know, letting them go. And look at it now. You know what I'm saying? Look at both of them. I mean, it's one of the defining things that's happened in football this decade is yeah. teams just whiffing. Kyle and I who's also a Pats fan. I'm a Pats fan. We were sitting on this couch because I had to do a podcast after that draft and Lamar is falling and the Pats have the 31st pick 
and we're like, this is amazing. We're going to get Lamar. The whole league is so stupid. Belichick's going to do it again. Belichick, and then we passed on him. And you were like, oh, and We took man. Sony Michelle. And we were like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then Baltimore traded in. And when that happened, because the Ravens are kind of our arch nemesis. Yep. When they got him, we were like, oh, my God, this is done. They're, they're like, He's the, going to be good. Yeah, the Ravens are like the only team that's, that that constantly is able to challenge the pass. Constantly. Yeah. They are always, They're not scared. Even the 07 season when we went undefeated in the regular season, they should have beaten us. Yeah. We got we got we got saved by this pass interference call. Yeah. So you love Watson. I'm worried. I think his team's too banged up, unfortunately, for him yeah, to do well, much this year. The the problem is defense. You know, I think the difference in the game is gonna be that Baltimore has the better defense than 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 the Texans do. But, yeah. So are you when you're on these movie sets, are you like watching well, I get watching good, League Pass and all that stuff. Are you one of those nah, guys? No, 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 no. I, 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 if I, if I'm in a, if I'm doing a movie, there's, that's a different type of focus. Yeah. You know yeah. What I'm saying it's like, I'll take the time to see Sports Center, you know, but I do watch Sports Center. You know, yeah. I do, I do make sure I, I stay abreast of what's going on. Um, or I'll choose, you know, one show, whether it be first take or something like that, and I'm like, okay, well, it's everything that's going on. So you get like a for I, half hour, I, of Stephen. I, I have to, I have to, I have to, yeah, I have to stay abreast of what's going on. Have you gone on that show? I have, yeah. And I'm first actually, I'm actually, I think I'm about to go on there again, like soon. Oh, so, nice. So, so yeah. Well, this is more exciting. This I think is, talking well, sport, us well, talking sports. This is, is a more. conversation. First take, you're just they're just moving people in and out. This is like this is a real this is really special. Yeah, yeah. This is we got to talk Clippers Lakers. Okay, right. who's your favorite NBA team? Now that's the thing. I don't. I only have a favorite college team. Um, I'm a Tar Heel fan. NBA is more about the more about the players, more about the stories. But I keep up. I keep abreast of, of like all the teams though. Um, so you just follow the players. I follow the players. I follow the team so, too. So but, you're like a Gen Z, even though you're older than Gen Z. You're like the twenty somethings now. Yeah, that just follow the players from team to team. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I mean, I'm just being for real. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like I'm not. I'm not like oh, I'm pulling for. I think by I'll watch the stories and then I'll decide. Okay, this is who I want to win this year. That's that's pretty much how I do so it. So who'd you decide on? We're not there yet. We're not there yet. I think um, if I if we choose between Clippers and Lakers right now, right? which I think is a fair yeah argument, yeah, I I feel like the Clippers are a better team. I think the Clippers are stacked. Um, I think they have a lot of killers on that team. Like let me just say it. That I agree. Way. That is like it's like that's the guy you. That's the guy you hate. You know, you hate him when he's not on your team and you love him when he's on your team. You know, like Patrick Beverly is like that, you know, yeah. Kawhi is like that. Um uh they're they're just deeper and they like they haven't even had Paul George, you know. You know, I think they get him back tonight. And so So that's gonna be when they have him and Kawhi with Beverly, whatever shooter, right, and then Harold. Yeah. That's going to be a pretty great starting five. But I do, I have to say this. I think the Lakers, they have a chance like because of their size. Because, yeah. because you know, teams are not built that way because of how agile um, um, their big men are. The ability to protect the rim 
in the playoffs like that with with McGee with Dwight Howard the way he's playing. I love that you're um, counting on Dwight um, Howard. Dwight Dwight Howard is is for real. Like this he's still great. please. He's, still, he's even hitting free throws now. You everyone know around everyone like, in LA thinks that, and I'm like, this is great. He's gonna let you down, and I'm gonna well, enjoy it. Listen, but that's why they have they have a two headed monster. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, I think their success is based upon when they play. Anthony Davis. They can't do it the whole game because they need they need that shot blocking. But they gotta have the death squad with him playing center yeah. and the and the and the floor spread at the end of the game. And if they have that, you know, with 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 LeBron able to just sort of see the floor and find shooters, it could be hard to beat him. You know what I mean? He's I'm saying? going for the assist title this year, LeBron. I think yeah. He's got like a two assist lead. Here's my thing with the Lakers. I don't trust Dwight Howard. I don't trust Davis's health. He already has like three injuries. Yeah. They're already like, yeah, and, he can't and play. Him, his and shoulder said, And he said him last night because of his shoulder, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's, so. I, the dude just can't stay on the court. And what it takes to actually win the title, it is eight months, it's it's 100 games, and it's really this marathon for nine straight weeks, 16 games, four rounds, yeah, or 16 wins, four rounds. I just don't trust that he can make it. But I, you know what I see is different. As I see him, I see that he's mindful of that now. Yeah, he's my he's he's mindful of the fact that he has he has to stay healthy, and and he has to play a little hurt. Like I see I see him pushing himself a little bit further. So it depends. Like you know, I think there's always something that makes a person go to a different level. Maybe yeah. being around LeBron is gonna is gonna do that. Because let me. You can talk about LeBron being hurt last year, but like that's the first time in his whole career, yeah, that he's ever you know been unable to play. It's not the first time he's been hurt; it's the first time he's been unable to play. But he's like the Angela Bassett of the NBA. He's, it's just like you don't even know what year it is anymore with him. He is the it's like is it 2018 or 2007. What's going on? What's love got to do with it? <laughs> when you when you go to the games, are the players talking to you and calling you out? Yeah, some of them. Yeah, yeah. It's like they, you've been in, all there. the movies you've been in are all like in the wheelhouse of like, yeah. They you know, all those guys are doing are watching movies in their suites. Like they can't go anywhere. Yeah, we, LeBron we, gonna like go walk downtown? We we're watching and we're watching the game in the trailer. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's yeah. We there's a there's definitely um, you know, acknowledgement. I we, think you need to pick, and I think you need to announce the pick between the two LA teams. I don't think you can straddle the fence. You live I, here. I think you have to pick a side. Right now. You have to wear a hat. Do I need to pick no, right no, now? No, I, I can, I can like come by back. December 15th. I, okay. I'll come back. I'll come back and pick. I think you need to make a statement. You go to a game and you got a hat of one of the teams and it's like he has chosen. It's it's not fair for anybody to have to pick yet because Kuzma just came back and Paul George is just coming back. So I think we need to see like a couple of weeks of that. And then we can, we can make an educated guess. That's what that's that's what I feel is fair. Who, if somebody offers you Clippers tickets, somebody offers you Laker tickets, which one are you more excited about? Lakers. Oh, so you already picked? Yeah, no, no, it's that not was a, that was a it, pick it, right no, there. That's, that's you not just a pick. That's not a pick. No, no, they just treat you better when you go as a star. <laughs> <laughs> This is the truth. It's the truth. They just—they're more celebrity you. friendly. They are more celebrity friendly. See, the Clippers are still working out of the Donald Sterling era. Yeah, they're just still yeah. trying to figure out the whole buttering they up. Haven't, people they part. haven't gotten that part now. They need to work on that. 
<laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, the Lakers, that's that's what they're the best at. They're the best. Yeah. You you it, I'm just saying, if I'm if if we're talking about the whole experience of a night out, you know, I'm right. There's a different like, energy at Laker games you know? too. Oh, the yeah. Clipper games has a lot of people that don't actually care about the Clippers, but the Lakers have 60 years of fans. You right. know, they've been here forever. Yeah. I mean, it matters that you have you have the banners up, you have championships up there. Like people, there's a there's a culture of there's generations we, of fans. Yeah. And you know, it's it's a it's a thing to sit, you know, in a Lakers game and like if I it's it's like it's like the you know the cotton club of basketball. Like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. If if Nicholson ever stops going what actor would you want to get his seats? Because I was making this case to Denzel. I thought Denzel's the la- the natural legacy. Taking did he the say torch. he wanted the seats? Well, the weird thing about Denzel is he's also a Knicks fan. He, well, I, I was calling him out for being a sports bigamist. He's he well, he's con- from that. He's from that. He's I know from, that was his point. Mount Vernon, yeah. right? So he's like, I can like, he's like, I'm Denzel Washington. I'll, I I can do whatever I want. And I was like, that's a great point. <laughs> you are you you can do whatever you want. He can yes. <laughs> Uh, who should get the seats though? Because um, you could go, you could go younger too. Yeah, I'm not sure who deserves to who because it's it's not just about the, the, hmm. It's a, it's who's because it's somebody that's been sitting there, you know, wanting those seats all these years that that deserves it. Right, and it can't be somebody that falls into it. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if anybody. And I was gonna say DiCaprio because he, I think I see him at, at games. He like under his hat a lot. Leo's probably the yeah. safest bet, but I yeah. think he does work too much. I think the great thing about Jack was he, he, he once he hit the mid eighties, he was basically he's like I'm showing up yeah, at the games. He's like you know what what making his movie schedule around Laker games. Yeah, um, I don't know if Leo would be ready to do well, that. Well, I would say he could share it with somebody else because he yeah. doesn't. He, when he doesn't shoot, he doesn't try to shoot like three and four movies in a year you know he shoots he's like I'm shooting one big movie that that you know matters to me and then the rest of the time he can go to Lakers games you know and he can share it with somebody else if it conflicts you know I don't know when you were at Howard were you going to Bullets games? definitely not I didn't have no money. Like, what are you talking about? Going to the Boondocks it was way cheaper back then nah nothing I was not I was not going in, you know. You're not traveling in to see sometimes whatever I didn't terrible bullet team was in there? Sometimes I wouldn't even go into our Howard games. Like, uh, like, you know. What's going on with the Howard sports scene? They ever figured that out? They're working on it. They're who's working their, on who's it. their, like, big I, rival? I, I, well, it's always Howard Hampton. Right. You know, um, who's the who's the real HU? That's, a, that's the thing. But Hampton's usually good, right? Hey, let's not talk about Howard Hampton, man. <laughs> I we had we had you know some promising moments last year in football, um, you know Cam Newton's brother, little brother, uh-huh. uh yeah, it was playing quarterback, and other than that, I don't really know what I can point to. See, but, the thing is, this is I went to Holy Cross in Massachusetts. It's so easy to be good at basketball. Like I was looking at the Gonzaga model. Yeah. It's it's like basically four scholarships a year. Right. Or five, whatever. Right. And 
you just need to make the NCAAs once, get some people, and then all of a sudden, you I can feel like build Howard that. could do you, that pretty you, you easily. Can, you can. Well, that's that's something a friend of mine we were talking about. How do how do you build like a, a really good program at an HBCU? Um, and you're right; it is much easier in football. It's like you have to have Football's a whole. Impossible. It's like an yeah. army yeah. of of you recruiting. Need Fifty scholarships. Yeah, it's impossible. Basketball, you need a couple celebrity boosters. I think you count. Yeah. Get a couple so, other ones from Howard. And to you recruit. Guys, no, and you guys just be like, hey, we're taking this seriously. Are you saying we're going to pay the players? No, I, I think you build better <laughs> facilities. You can donate, donate better gym or whatever it takes, better dressing rooms. I thought you were like- Locker I, rooms. I thought you Maybe were you like, pay the players at the table. Yeah. Maybe this is your sports movie. <laughs> that would- if we, we you play an actor we, who tries to save Howard basketball, but crosses a couple lines, right? Yeah, we can play that whole NCAA thing, fair <laughs> yeah. players thing. That actually is. Hey, we shouldn't even say this on. This is good. Yeah, cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. That's gonna cut be the out. movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. Yo, thank you, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks to State Farm. Thanks to Mark Stein and Chadwick Boseman. Thanks to Square, the company that makes that little white credit card reader and makes Fernando very happy. Square also makes pretty much anything you need to run and grow any kind of business, point of sale, payroll, online stores, invoicing, whatever. See how Square can take your business from square one to whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS. I am coming back on Thursday. Don't forget to listen to this Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast if you like that feed. And we will see you later in the week. Happy birthday, Kyle.